0: Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Who?
1: joey clark Uh, hello and welcome to the program you're listening to the joey clark radio hour and tonight i am here to pronounce that yes i can be an ass this is well known i can look in the mirror and go yes joey you're big ass that you act like a jackass quite often but you can rise above it sir you're smart enough and damn it you're handsome enough and you're humble enough Thank you for listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And if I can admit that I'm an ass, then I can also admit when I've gone too far when it comes to my colleagues. So tonight we are here to bury the hatchet, to forgive and forget, to bear no malice, let bygones be bygones. We're essentially here, Baron Coleman, to kiss and make up. I'll kiss you. Really? <laughs> and that went fast. <laughs> that went really fast. You don't have to butter me up long, Joey. Yeah. Likewise, we're both way too easy. Yeah. What do they call that these days? Oh, we can't say that on FCC Airways <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they call you. Oh. oh well. Yeah.
0: They call me a lot. That's but I mean.
1: tonight. We're here to uh, you know, reconcile our differences.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you. Uh, you you overstepped your bounds on on the nine to noon radio show here on News Talk, and well, you overstepped your bounds first on the debate coverage. That's true. It was, I think, during your hour that I actually tossed you from the studio. Well, I left. Yeah. Close. yeah. I
1: mean, 84 tried to take credit, saying that he had muscled me out of here with some Russian sickle move. He doesn't know the Russian sickle. He's a liar. <laughs> but we're here to forget all these things and for, to give, forgive, mm-hmm. to forgive one another. To learn to understand one another. Now, tomorrow night... This is going to be very easy. My guest is David Gornoski. This guy runs an organization called A Neighbor's Choice. It's about how if we imitate the life and beliefs of Christ, we can create peace in society. He's applying it more than just in the church, though. He's applying it to politics. But I don't know how... Because the look you're giving me right now... You're giving
0: me the stink eye. No, I'm not giving you the stink eye. I'm just listening to what you're saying. You're also giving me a smirk. Am I really? Yes.
1: You and your fancy pants tie, your $50 <laughs> socks.
0: I I, I just feel <laughs> like I'm, you know... You guys must be uptight when you do radio. You've never seen anyone kick their feet up and do radio. Well, I've kicked my own feet up, but that's just me. I'm the only one allowed to do that. Okay. Because I kicked my feet up earlier, and Emily was like, why are you all relaxed doing radio?
1: Well, you took her, her
0: chair. Well, that is true. Her chair is not your. But foot I didn't. Stool. You'll notice my feet are not in the chair. They're actually on the other side of the chair. My calves are in the chair. So. And your feet are hanging loose. Yeah. Look. Get, get you. Get you a gander. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. That's nice. Like, do you potpourri or socks? It's called hygiene, Joey. Oh. Take well, a shower a I couple times a day. You'll be good to go. Yeah, I see.
1: I I just let the shower do its work. I never. I don't bend over and wash my feet. I'm mm-hmm. gonna let all those. And all those anyway, folks, we are here to bury the hatchet. Yes. We're here to bear no malice, let bygones be bygones. Mm-hmm. Let it go, let it go. That's <sighs> right.
0: So the about? big
1: three topics, yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the discussion. What are the big three topics that you're told never
0: to discuss? Uh religion. Yeah. Politics. Yes. And I don't know what the third one is. Sex. Sex, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Just don't talk religion, politics, or sex. We've talked politics a lot. Okay. So now we're going straight to sex? Oh, I talked about sex on the second show. Okay. About how my mom came to my sixth grade class. I heard that Yeah. Yeah, it made me
0: uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So that leaves only one. What is it, Baron? Religion. Yeah. It does leave religion. Yes, yes, yes. And when you talk about religion,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and, you know... Abigail Adams said you don't have to quote great men to show your own intelligence or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think she was full of crap. As Cicero once said, the first question in the inquiry which deals with the nature of the gods is that whether they do or do not exist. Denial, I shall be told, is difficult. I grant that it would be so if the question were in a public setting, a public assembly. But in a conversational gathering of this kind, it is perfectly easy. To translate that into everyday speak, when I have private conversations with people here in this river region of 1,000 plus churches, we have so many different denominations in the Christian faith, the Jewish faith, we have a few mosques here. When I have private conversations, people are very freewheeling. And if you've read anything I've written online, you may already know this, but I'm going to come out with it. And it wasn't a road to Damascus moment in the opposite direction. I, around college, started to say, yeah, I was raised Catholic. I respect how I was raised. I learned a lot. But I said, I don't believe this. I've always been told you have to be honest with your audience. You have to be straightforward. And people have assumed when I answer I was raised Catholic that I still am Catholic that I am some other denomination in Christianity. I am not. I would consider myself an agnostic or an atheist. Now, I'm not... There's no d- difference between the two, by the way. Well, yes. Thank you. Some people say, well, Joey, what do you mean you're an atheist? And I say, well, somebody asked me the question, do you believe in God?
0: Now, a lot of people think if you're an atheist, you have to prove, have an affirmative right. position on the lack of God. But the reality is, if you break down the word agnostic, a gnosis without knowledge... knowledge. Uh, someone who says I'm not sure whether there's a God or yeah. I'm I'm not yet convinced is a theistic without a belief in God. Right. That doesn't mean they're there's hostile. The it doesn't mean they're mean. It doesn't mean they're nasty or uh, that they can't uh, follow humanistic principles and be a good person. Doesn't mean they're they're wanting to annihilate you know large percentages of the population participating genocide. It well, just unless means, you're Joseph Stalin. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. But a lot of people think you're either atheistic, which means you're out there actively. Uh, proselytizing and trying to tear down religion, or yeah. you are theistic, and if you're somewhere in the between, you're not on either extreme. Then you're agnostic. That's foolishness. Agnostic is a cop out. It's a cop out for people who are afraid to say, "Look, I'm not yet convinced." There's a there's a God,
1: and actually, I went through that process. I went through the, "Oh, I'm a deist." And not it's not a shameful position. I
0: mean, go back, go back to uh, uh, Mark nine, Mark nine twenty three ish, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, right in there. The Catholics coming out in, here. yeah, I know. Uh, the guy, the, the guy looks. He says, "I believe. Help me in my unbelief." Hmm. You know, he's basically saying, "Look, you know, I, sometimes I'm there and sometimes I'm not." And I think uh, most people go through that. Most people go through, you know, look up the dark night of the soul. Read through, right. the, read through the dark night of the soul. St. John of, uh, of the Cross. You, you go through there and it, it's very natural. I mean, go look at Mother Teresa's autobiography where she talks about going through years, maybe decades, of basically a lack of belief in God. A, an unwillingness, a, a lack of desire to participate in the sacraments, to, to seek God in any capacity whatsoever. Yet... She humbled herself, I mean and she you know doesn't mean she was flawless obviously, but but she still humbled herself in, in, in spite of all that and and I think that's that 's sort of what gets lost in this middle ground, and people people wait they find themselves in the middle, I believe help me in my own belief, sometimes they 're more help me in my own belief than I believe, and then they get they think well that means i'm i'm out i 'm out of the club, and what right. they don 't realize is there 's a whole cloud of witnesses sitting up there saying, no hell we we well, 've gone through
1: this up, you know, and that 's where i 'm at uh Especially the long, dark night of the soul. Um, Especially when I, you know, lost somebody very special to me. We don't have to go into all that again. But tonight, you're already doing it. What I wanted to do tonight, to kiss and make up, essentially, is I needed somebody to bear witness to. I needed somebody... Can you hear? I needed... Can I I get a witness? I need you to be my witness, Oh, this is James Brown, you oh. fool! <laughs> Didn't he do a version of this? Kirk Franklin did one. This is James Brown. No, we're not. It was faint. faint. I want a witness over here. <laughs> Can you be my witness? I'll be your witness. Bro. All right, all right. So I, you've already done a lot of the work for me because I've gotten, I've received different reactions in private conversation around these parts when I say, "Yeah, I'm an atheist." I get the the one that baffles me. But I kind of get where they're coming from. But I'm like, why did you do this? They they sort of look around the corner. Anybody around? Like they're going to tell a racist joke? Anybody? Any, yeah, exactly. Anybody <laughs> around? All right. Uh, yeah. Me too, Joey. Like, why did you whisper that, number one? Who are you looking for? I I don't know why there's so much shame associated with it. But I think it's because people...
0: I don't know. Hear the word, and it's a dirty word. Well, and again, I think there's, I think there's a sliding scale on this. Yes, I think sometimes there are people who, but I don't think anyone's a complete extreme at any point. Uh, so take it, just take a, a, a basic ordinal scale between one and a hundred. I mean, you got one on the one side, you got a zero, no belief in God ever, right? And on the other side, you have a hundred, a hundred time, hundred percent belief at all times. Most people are going to fall between one and ninety nine. I don't think there's anyone that's a zero or anyone that's a hundred, because in its deepest, darkest uh, fight or flight, death response. Most people pinch out a little piece of belief in something. Oh, sure. Okay, so nobody's a zero, and nobody's a hundred. And that—that's the great fallacy is that there are all these people that are hundreds, and you show up at your Baptist church, and everybody's a hundred, and you go to mass on Sunday, and everybody's a hundred, and you're looking around saying, "Hell, I'm a 60. Half the time, I don't even know if this is true. And so then you start bowing out. You want to duck out, and you say, "To hell with this." You know, I'm not. I can't achieve right. perfection. So therefore, I'm going to stop. Participating, and I don't, I don't think that's a valid argument. I, I I honestly, you know, if you if you take it just pure Aristotelian logic, just take it from its base. Yeah, if you have to achieve perfection to participate in something, you might as well not start. And that's that's a that's a that's a fallacious argument. And I do believe a lot of people. Uh, say, well, I make mistakes, so I'm out. Well, or, virtue I, I,
1: isn't something you signal. You build virtue yeah, over time. It's
0: direction, not perfection. And and, and it's, you know, hell, you, you don't, I mean, it's it's trite, and, and everybody says it, but you don't go to church because you're perfect. Right. You know, you go to church because you know you're not, and you know you make a hell of a lot of mistakes, and, and that's why you get up and go. Oh, well, and I wanted to bring
1: this up with you first, because you are a devout Catholic. You are of the faith I was raised in. And I feel like we have a lot in common because of that. That is
0: one thing I can't deny. Because 12 years of Catholic school... You know where I'm going after this? Where are you going? I'm going to Father David Carucci's 50th birthday party. That is awesome. You ought to come by. Okay. They would love to see you. Yes. I'm serious. No, I'd... There'll be a lot of people there you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not pressuring you. Well, no, and I would love to have... I'm planning on
1: having some of the priests on the Catholic priest. But I need to, I think, be open and branch out to some of the other denominations, other faiths even. I want to bring people on because I'm searching. I don't know exactly what it is I believe. I have
0: some idea. If I come in one day and you call yourself a Buddhist, I'm... I'm no, that's but probably the only cop out that I don't appreciate yeah, with I'm people. Not gonna be, I'm not going to be. I'm doing mo- yoga, but not go Buddhism. Muslim. You know, go go do you be weird. You know, go do something. Right. But the people who call themselves a Buddhist, I just like, oh, what a cop out. <laughs> you know, you could you could have believed in anything, and you chose Buddhism. Now, are you
1: willing to say? Was there a moment when you sort of had? Did you have like a road to Damascus moment,
0: or did you, you mean initially, or, or yeah? Uh, I I was very atheistic, um, probably. I don't know that I ever had a belief in God as a child. I certainly I wasn't what you would call raised in a church. I mean, we didn't go to church as a child. We, uh, I maybe went to 10 religious services before I was 19, 18 years old. Um, I don't know if you call it a road to Damascus experience, um, but I, I met a guy named Jim Brinkerhoff who uh, passed away a few years ago. He was at Auburn. Uh, I met him my second year there. He was a He was a former Catholic turned Church of Christ, if you can believe that progression i mean that's that's an unusual progression um but i met him and start talking to him probably twice a week tuesdays and thursdays i think or mondays and wednesdays for uh, about six or eight weeks and uh i challenged him i said convince me there's a god right you know and it, it, I, w- I don't i want i don't want to say i was um prodigious or anything I that's not that's not it but i was always inquisitive Sure. And I, I was intrigued by people who had a belief in God. Uh, I remember uh, a, a girl I had a little fascination with when I was like in 6th or 7th grade uh, went on to become a Christian singer and I was always fascinated with her because she seemed to have a, uh, a, a pretty deep knowledge and understanding of god and I, it just made no sense to me it's so foreign right you know, if you're not raised in it it's it's fair it's fairly foreign or if your parents aren't practicing or really practicing that's different than dragging you to church i mean you know carrying it on throughout the day and throughout the week so it was a little different and i always remember being fascinated by it but i remember meeting jim brinkerhoff and and challenging him saying convince me this is true not from an emotional perspective I'm not looking for uh to talk in tongues or i'm not knocking anybody do whatever you want but i'm not looking for that Emotional pitch, don't try to shame or make me feel no, scared because you're not going guilty. to I don't yeah. care you know and and uh, I had some some tragic experiences in my life growing up, and um, I never wanted to be a part of a, a club that wouldn't accept people in my family who had done some pretty egregious things that maybe some Christians didn't think they could come back from. And I thought I'm not going to join anything that's going to commit my grandmother or a stepbrother to hell. It's just not going to happen. Um, but so I challenged him. I said, "Convince me, you know. Knock yourself out. I'm a blank slate. I'll give you an hour or two an afternoon, a couple days a week. It's in college. You have no responsibility, no time." And um, and he did. And and it was it was systematic uh, in his approach. It hmm. was it was not. I'm not the first person he'd gone through this with clearly. Um, But he did it. He did it in a, he started with a kind of a formal logic approach, which I appreciated. Uh, He moved from there into the the historicity of the entire thing. Uh, And we didn't get into scripture or touch scripture for for many, many weeks, maybe months into it. Uh, And I remember looking at him one day and uh, I said, okay, I buy it. So this was over how long of a period? Oh, hell, probably yeah, two or three months. I mean, it wasn't long, Right. but it was it was many many hours. And and I thought about it during the week. It wasn't like I walked away after a meeting and just walked sure. away. Right. You know, during I would walk away. Let's say I don't remember the schedule. Monday, Wednesday, say four to six p.m. I would walk away at six p.m. and 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 think like I remember initially the first couple times we met. I thought this is bizarre. Yeah. You know that that he would try to approach this from from a logistical like a, 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 a like a logician. Yeah. You know, like a. a like moving little goods around in my mind. I can I can take this and I can reorder it over here and now you'll start to see it makes sense. I mean he approached it from from natural law, it just kinda of built all the way up. And uh, he I mean he he taught me about a sense of oughtness that all of humanity shares and hmm. you know, just uh you know, it never never the matter came from somewhere, where did it come from? You know, none of that right. kind of trite stuff that you hear over and over, but a a really systematic, ground up built one, two, three, four, and like I said, after two or three months, I remember looking at him kind of with a strange look on my face. And I was like, "What the hell did you do to me?" You know, I, I don't, I don't get this. Um, but I kind of buy your argument. I wouldn't say I was a Christian, or I, I didn't buy the argument of Jesus even by that point. But he had kind of put put the issue of God to bed for me. So of a single God, yeah, or, or the unmoved. I don't know mover, if I would go creator. that. I don't know that I would go that far at that point. Okay, but something outside of of humanity that that is the reason we're here that that we could not exist without hmm. um and, and it was it was just it was weird I, I certainly didn't expect it i didn't want it i actually kind of went to the meetings to to sort of prove to myself that i yeah. couldn't be moved on the issue uh, i hated that he's passed away he died i went to his funeral he died probably gosh i don't know 4 5 6 years ago uh and i remember sitting at his funeral and there were hundreds and hundreds of people there um, and, and I just remember thinking, this this guy lived a worthy life. I mean, he he actually reached out and touched people. You know, what the hell am I doing with my life? You know, and and I mean, it, even his funeral was sort of a a, a moving experience. I mean, he was a, he he truly was a holy man, and I don't say that about very many people. I mean, maybe met five on earth I would ever describe that way, but I I would describe him that way. Wow! And uh, it was a moving experience, and it it did it changed my life. I mean, that was. 1998, and since then, uh, my approach to life has been completely different. See, and I'm honestly,
1: I'm at that point where I'm tired of being with my own thoughts, having, you know, I want to have some of this obviously continuing private conversation, but why not share this with people over the airwaves? I want people to convince me to try to change my mind. Well, they'll never do it over the air because the time is just not there.
0: And I'm it's, saying it's this would be over, yeah,
1: over time, and, and it may not be the same exact approach. Like,
0: and I, I believe approach. different people are called to do different things. I'm not called to convince people. Sure, I do believe he was. Um, I, that's not my gig, you know. I, I I feel like I have a completely different approach to life than he did, but you know, I I I don't shy away when people ask. I mean, I'll hell, I'll tell them what happened. Right. Yeah. Well, no, and that's again what I'm looking for because. I'll say I'm an
1: atheist, and people will say, "Well, how can you have morality?" And I think, well, I believe that I can. You believe in natural the,
0: law, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a common ground for most people. If you can get to natural law, yeah, typically you can clear the hurdle. Uh, if you can, it, it, I see natural law is akin to okay. Somebody could come along and
1: break it. Somebody could murder somebody. Sure. Somebody could steal from somebody. Somebody could violate somebody's rights. But in the same way that somebody blows up a building. You didn't invalidate the math and the physics and the science that it took to build that building. So in the same way when somebody breaks natural law, you don't invalidate the fact that... No, just like if
0: somebody murders somebody, you don't say that we don't have laws against murder. I mean, we do. But they're, they're, they're not inviolable. Well, and I'm also interested in how some of the religions
1: have changed over the years. For instance, I asked on my Facebook page about a month ago, uh, do you believe one of the pleasures of heaven is watching the damned in hell be tortured? And almost everybody, man, everybody who answered was pretty much Christian, said no. I'm like, well, you don't agree with a lot of theologians, but how does this stuff change? And that's where I'm like, well, I, I almost treat it like a narrative. Like an ongoing narrative, and people are perfecting it, and we're getting better at it. But I don't know why I have to have some authority that enforces the truth of things. Why can't truth just stand on its own?
0: Well, and I, it, it does. It does. The authority doesn't enforce it. The, the church doesn't enforce natural law. The church articulates natural law, hmm. and that's you know that's probably a, a cart before the horse misunderstanding a lot of people have. It's uh, it's almost like people look at the the you know, freedom to associate and freedom of religion in the Constitution and say, you know, God invented that and the, the the government enforces it. I don't know, necessarily. Because, you know, inside that Bill of Rights is the right not to have the government quarter soldiers in your house during right. peacetime. I mean, that's, I, I don't, I, I've been to some religious classes. I've uh, You know, I've taught RCIA and adult ed and everything. I don't remember that
1: Well, and one thing that fascinates me as a libertarian is that most of the world's religions, like you have people on a political side. Say somebody's the same faith, same denomination, and that they still have these political arguments. I'm like, how does your faith that does give this holistic system and this reason to be inspired, to have hope, to love others, to be disciplined in your life and foster virtue in your life and to hope for something after, how does
0: it not address how violence should be used on a society-wide basis? Well, the church does. The church has a very clear description of, of uh, just war, hmm. for example. Uh, and if you look at the church's very distinct, descript use of just war, uh, you could make the argument, even World War II, the United States entry into World War II was not a just war. Oh, wow. Um, you know, from Aquinas on, this has been a pretty clear distinction. And, uh, I'm not sure the United States has ever fought a just war under Catholic doctrine. Hmm. And so you have Catholics split on the issue of when to use military force. And they come off as a bit of a pacifist. And then you have militant Catholics who say, hell, we're the Church of the Damn Crusades. You know, if we want to go to war, we'll pick up a gun and go to war. You know, we'll justify it after the fact if we have to. Um, and so there, there is there is ability and birth for dispute. Right. Within the greater body, the church. And again, I, if, if people sit back and wait on perfection, they, they, don't, they never jump in. You know, I mean, they just, they just watch the train pass. And it's like trying to invest in the stock market. You wait for the perfect stock, you're going to be broke. Yeah. Because you're going to be sitting with five bucks in your hand for the rest of your life. But if you put it in the stock market, your five bucks becomes a thousand, you know, over the course of your life. And you ne- you're never going to hit the perfect stock. There's always, a, there's, a, there's some, you know, fatal flaw with every one. Right. But you have to get in the game. You can't sit on the sidelines waiting for perfection. you got to get in the game. Well, and I just, I, I guess where I'm coming from is
1: I have a very different experience. I was raised in the Catholic Church. Went to Catholic school since preschool. Went to church every Friday and every Sunday. We missed a couple Sundays. But we pretty much did not miss church. And I was raised in it. And when I started, you know, I I thought, oh, I was having this crisis in college. And some of my friends from, like, middle school said, no, Joey, you were asking weird questions, like sixth grade, seventh grade. And I remember often the teachers would sort of give me a funny look and either tell me, I don't know, I appreciate that answer. But I would get others that say, no, this is the rule. And because it's the rule, it's the rule. You got to follow the rule. Don't question it. And that's where I became incredibly turned off. Uh, where it was like, well, then how do we? How do the rules change? Do we have to wait for this college of people? And I guess this I, we need a Protestant here. We need other because there have been changes, um, and I think they're always ongoing. So I am at this point where I'm like, well, I think it's about the narratives
0: we tell ourselves. He, I, 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 I know a lot, I know a lot of people you knew growing up. Yes. And they know we work together. Yes, and so a lot of them ask me about you, but I don't. I don't. You know, I don't. No, you don't weigh in or whatever. Time, no, Not just not my. That's not my role. But um, I, I've never had the opinion of you that you. You know, there are some atheists uh, like Christopher Hitchens. That oh, I, oh, sure. Thought very highly of. Oh, yeah, uh, me too. I still read Christopher Hitchens I, I on love, a regular basis. I love his writing and his speaking. And I, I love. I love watching his debates. I love watching his speeches. But with Christopher Hitchens, when, when he developed uh, esophageal cancer and knew he was going to die, yeah, uh, I knew Christopher Hitchens was not going to renounce his strong atheistic tendencies and, and, and profess well, a religion, any religion. I think it would – if Hitchens had done that, like a death by conversion, I
1: think it would have shown a lack of integrity. Well, I knew it wasn't going to happen. Right. Right. Um, and he and by the way, folks, Hitchens always said, "I'm not an atheist, like I don't believe in God, and I don't know whether or not yeah. God exists or does." But he was an anti-theist. Yeah. He thought religion was bad for the yeah, world. It was, a, it was a crutch. And yeah. a lot of what he uh, wrote is because of 9/11. He was reacting to this sort of militant religious ideology that I think, in many ways, Christianity has worked out of its system. Uh, that history is fascinating. I'd love to go into it sometime with somebody much wiser, more informed than me. Well, But I think right now in Islam there is this... Mil- and he wrote that book as kind of a way of saying, man, these folks that won't budge and now they want to enforce with at the point of the gun their belief. Yeah. This is what we really have to fight against. This is against everything this nation in the United States is founded upon in much of Western Europe. That
0: religious freedom and tolerance... But I don't see that in you. Right. I don't see that sort of no, militant I don't. anti-theist atheism. Uh, I'm not like that. When I hear... And this is what I try to describe for people when they say, you know, why does Joey claim he's an atheist? I say, well, you know, I, I don't know if he's going through a dark night of the soul uh, in which case, some come back and some don't. Um, if he's having a prodigal son moment, in which case some come back and some don't. Or if uh, if one day he will have a, a a full conversion either way. Right. He will either become a militant atheist. But I do know this about Joey, and this is, this is the way I describe you, and I hope it's not too personal for the airways. No, I want um, it to be personal. Uh, I don't think you'll stop looking one mm-hmm. way or the other. I I just don't. I've known you for for several years now, and I I don't think uh, the Joey Clark way is to come to a a lack of understanding about something, throw up his hands, and walk away. Right. And, And for that reason, I always tell people who ask how you're doing, you're doing what you have to do. Yes. You're doing what you have to do in the moment. Well, and what's interesting
1: for me is I've had folks say, well, Joey, when you have a kid, when you become a parent... You will become a believer. And then I had somebody say, Joey, when I had a kid, I became an atheist. Like, what? because I really was searching for sort of these existential reasons like experiential reasons like not like the logical like what made you change your mind and I've had the same exact event people say it made me a believer it made me an unbeliever
0: yeah the the, the worst time to talk metaphysics with somebody is after a tragic event Mm -hmm. or a life changing event so somebody moves to a new town and they don't know anybody don't start talking metaphysically with them because I mean my god they, they're they're not sane you know you, uh, you you know your son dies and gets run over on the on the interstate well bad time to discuss the well, metaphysical realities of the world you know uh, how about wait until their life settles down a little give them ten years <laughs> and then crack open the old books and start digging through philosophy and figure out where they are and that's the mistake a lot of people make they have a life-changing experience they have a yeah. um, a, a tragedy or they have even a, a an, an an elation event where where something yep. new that's wonderful comes into their life and all of a sudden somebody approaches them and starts talking to them about the the deep realities of the universe. That is no time. I mean, you know, <laughs> there are two to- two ways to cook. You cook sure. on, on blazing flames in which case you burn your meat or you wait until those blazing flames come down and the coals turn white and you cook your steak and you get a nice medium rare. Yeah. You know, there's no... There, there's. I like to slow roast a pork butt. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? I mean, oh, and that's that's just the reality, and and so I think that's kind of where you were where you were hitting on there.
1: Well, and some folks might assume that I became an atheist when my mom died about two or so years. No, ago. you were you were before that. Before that, yeah. and honestly, that moment was um, a test. It was like, am I in this moment where I feel like completely torn apart that I don't know why this is happening? It's not fair. Am I going to fall back on how I was raised and the faith I was raised in? And that's when I really started doing some thinking and said that the convictions I hold and what I do believe in actually serve to help explain a lot. And uh, over the shows and the weeks, I hope to help explain it to people, but I've already said it in many ways uh, to people that, well, for instance, people ask, you know, what? how do you get your spirituality, that sort of question. Mm -hmm. That sort of transcendent moment. And for me, it is there's a reason why I'm such a big music person. That sort of stuff for me is transcending. And And songs, just as prayers or scripture lines take on new meaning as you gain new experiences, they start to fascinate me. So, for instance, the song of the day for me is James Brown. Not the silly Can I Get a Witness song. Which is very misogynistic. If I could put on my feminist glasses, oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> no, the song is Lost Someone, mm-hmm. 1961. That's a great time. And initially it was, oh, it's a great heartbreak song, but then I realized heartbreak is much more than romance or mm-hmm. eros. Heartbreak can be losing a parent, and if I sit back and listen to something like this, it makes it feel a little better. I love someone I love.
0: You gotta do something Joey Clark Welcome back I that drop in my show Yeah, I know, man Baron Coleman Hey,
1: don't you go be stealing Kristen's voice from me Can I hit hit that drop again? (laughs) Okay, I have a
0: few different ones Joey Clark There's one with that Joey Clark There's one like that And then there's Joey Clark A clean one Hit that first one Joey Clark I want that one with Baron
1: Coleman Okay, well, you got to put it together. you got to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. can't be asking for handouts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, we have one phone call. We, we do, get, and, know, and I know and who I'm, it is. I'm amazed sometimes, because when I bring this up in private, that I say, I'm an atheist, I say, Joey, do you believe in God? And I say, well, no is the simple answer, but then I usually ask, well, what do you mean by God? And I usually get a look of like, what? And I honestly like the people who engage or who are just like, Joey, I'm worried about you. I actually I take that seriously. The stuff I don't like, and I think it's not... I differ with somebody like Christopher Hitchens in this way. I don't think it's a religion thing. I think we find it in politics. I think you find it when... Somebody is such a sports fan, they poison somebody's trees. I think you find it in any sort of extreme where you love something, and you react to something that is fundamentally different in a sort of violent way, like you're threatening your own identity. It's what our founders in this nation figured out so well. That tolerance is what allowed us not to go through all the wars Europe went through. Tolerance. Now, was it always tolerant in this country? I don't know. Will we ever, say, have a Jewish president? Yes. I think we will. Oh, yeah. Will we ever have an atheistic president? Absolutely. So that's... If did. you look at polls... We just did. Yeah, that's the thing. How many of the presidents do you think have actually been deist or atheist?
0: That haven't uh, been essentially, a, like... A third, a quarter to a third, probably. Yeah. Um... You know, I don't know what James Buchanan's... Who cares about Buchanan? Well, I I mean, I think, honestly, (laughs) if you're going 19th century, he's probably the closest you're going to find to an atheist. Yeah. So, I don't... I mean, I I wasn't just throwing a name out there. I I think probably if you ran down the roster, Barack Obama and James Buchanan are probably the top two who come to mind for most people when they say, were they really believers at all? Jefferson comes to mind. Uh, Because Jefferson... Hard to write what he wrote and be a true atheist.
1: Well, I think Jefferson... Okay, there's a letter, 1819, that he wrote to his friend, William Short. And he says, Jesus is the greatest moral teacher Mm -hmm. in history. And then there's an asterisk. And you go to the bottom, to the footnote. And the asterisk, it comes when he says, except for the imputations that have been put on the life and narrative of Jesus. And he says, except for the fact that he was born of a virgin... That he rose, died, and rose again on the third day. Essentially, all the divine stuff. Right. He says, "We don't need that. We just need his wisdom when it comes to charity." Now, I don't know how, if you if you think that. I don't think you're actually a Christian.
0: Well, but the question with Jefferson wasn't Christian; it was it was hey, theist. Yeah, I think he was a deist. Well, and that's a theist. But well, yeah. he's there.
1: Is it a theist? Yeah,
0: it is. How. Deism. What's dia? Deo. What? What is the root of Deo? God. Right. It's an impersonal, uh, but not uh, intervening, ephemeral God. But it's not. You know. It's 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 an ephemeral transcendent God. But it's not a the, what the Christians term as a deeply personal, right, involved, daily, moment by moment transcends all time, exists everywhere God. Right. But the the root of Deism Deo is God. Oh yeah. So no, he wouldn't be an atheist. He wouldn't be an atheist. Now but clearly not every well, point. No, but I mean by the time you get into the mid nineteenth century, uh, I think you have a string of, of people you could argue are atheists. I mean, even by the time you get to the early twentieth century, my man, yeah. my favorite president, Teddy Roosevelt, mm. tell me he's a theist. Prove it. Through the history and the biographies. Prove it. Can you? I don't think you can. Mm. And he is without a doubt my favorite president. So I don't know that it requires a theistic worldview to be a good president. Right. Um, I don't think... I mean, he was buried in a church. He was married in a church twice. Uh, I don't think you can point to his life and say it was void of Christian influence, but I don't think you can point to it and say he's a believer. Well, and I want to make something clear to the audience. Because I
1: was raised in a Christian culture and in the church, I think I am better for it. Sure. I will not deny it. I think the the key three virtues, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love, have balanced out a lot of what world history is all about, which is dominance. You know, the courageous who, with their, all their fortitude and justice on the world. Yeah, deus caritas est. I mean, God is love. And that is... It's balanced out. Yeah. It's made. There's a reason people are crying and praying over what happened in Las Vegas in our society and why we wring our hands every time something like that happens.
0: And we aren't callous. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the deep unifying events of society, 9 yeah. 11, uh, national shooting tragedies, the things everybody can come together and say that's wrong. Um, those are the those are the events to me that put the seeds of faith in people who don't believe. When because because what is it about what is it about an event like 9/11 yeah. that makes people universally say even even the, even the truthers even take I mean this is True. where the, the truthers yeah. the atheists the the Christians that the, shouldn't happen. You shouldn't fly planes into buildings right. and kill thousands exactly. of people. Exactly, exactly. And, and and everybody's on the same page. Tell me another experience where everybody's on the same page. You can't find one. See, but I mean, hell, you can't. Everybody isn't on the same page. There's a whole other group of people who cheered
1: that day and who say God is also on their side. That's why man. somebody like Christopher Hitchens writes that book. I could, because I, he had all these Christian friends. He got along with people, as he said, they knew all the jokes. But there's. And I think there are many Muslims who looked at that day and said, this is horrible. What are you doing? But there is this one group, I think, that is perverting. And I'll put it that way. They are perverting faith. They are perverting faith with extremism. They are perverting, I think, good understandings of God with this mission to be violent and impose their will on others. And I think we have to address it. That it is, I think... I, I'm one who's made. I think I just I tried. I couldn't. I couldn't believe when people said pray. I was I would think about the world. Mm-hmm. When essentially I shared you know last Friday, W. H. Auden poem where he talks about if the stars think, as far as I can tell, I can go to hell mm-hmm. is what the stars think. But if equal love is impossible, if there isn't this over all seeing all-knowing, all-powerful consciousness being that is intervening and looking after after you is love and cares about you. If that isn't the case, let the more loving one be me is what Auden comes up with. I'm very much like him. I'm sad about the fact that if I go back to Catholic Mass or I go to other services that I sit there and I go in many ways the music's beautiful. I like that it inspires people to do things, but like the basic belief if I'm being honest I have to say I don't believe it. And it makes me sad for a while. Now, in some ways, I reacted by being the angry guy for a little while. Then I reacted by being the very sad guy. And now I'm sort of at peace with it, saying, I want to find out where this journey goes. Because I, I am honestly tired of stewing in my own thoughts on this matter. And I think it should be shared with people in public. Because we are a society... That has freedom to talk about these ideas. They should be talked about in the public square openly and civilly. With people who passionately disagree but agree on peace and discussion. And why doesn't that happen more often? Especially in politics. It, that... Makes me sad at the end of the day yeah. as well. And that's why this might seem weird to people. Why am I bringing this up? Why are we talking about this? It makes people uncomfortable. Because I think it's incredibly important. Because this is what makes you know America great again. Yeah, and you could say we need more infrastructure. and We can argue about all sorts of stuff in politics. But what I think makes the United States incredibly unique and exceptional is this fundamental idea of religious freedom. And if we do not celebrate it and celebrate good faith arguments, and I think people who are unbelievers can be in good faith, that we will lose this to some other society that is a bit more imposing, whether it's Russia with their orthodoxy or China with their materialism and atheism that's imposed. I think the West does not celebrate its diversity and freedom via discussion enough. And that's what we should be hailing to the rooftops. We should be telling Saudi Arabia, if you want hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars worth of arms, you better stop imposing your beliefs on people that aren't being violent themselves. I mean, this is what we should stand for. It's the very foundation. Because there have been so many governments and societies in world history that have said, we believe... And we know what's right and true. And if you don't agree, we will
0: impose it on you. Yeah, and, and, and I mean... The
1: Khans or the yeah. Romans or... And it
0: sounds trite, and I don't, I don't want it to. No, I but, really don't. No, in the on. context of this, I don't, I don't want it to. But um, there are no... I mean, as violent and militant as Islam has become on the extreme right of Islam yeah. in the last 40 years, um, it doesn't hold a candle to the number of people killed... By the atheistic governments of the last 125 years. I mean, it just doesn't. Uh, You you go back, you go back, you know, uh, this this idea of communism birthed in the the mid 19th century, the 1840s, mid mid 1840s, really. Well, I Uh, think Marx was, well, let me cut to the chase because we're running out of time. Oh, sorry.
1: I think Marx was a crackpot. Uh, You can't say Hitler's atheistic because he wanted to replace Christianity with like paganism Mm -hmm. and like old German myths. You can't say the Japanese were atheistic. Their emperor was literally considered a god. And you can say, yes, communism was atheistic. But in many ways, and this is actually, you bring a pigeon. He did this turn near the end of his life. There's one debate, I'll have to find it, where he said he almost shifted from religion is the problem to unquestionable authority is the problem. And if you look at this Russian society, it was ruled by czars for centuries who essentially claimed to be in the Middle Kingdom, somewhere between God and men, these demigods. So Stalin starts putting his poster everywhere, and it's the formula. that, Are you telling me, yeah, officially the North Korean dynasty is atheistic, but they, they
0: worship Kim Jong-un. They worship Il and Kim Il-sung. Well, I mean, were the Romans and their, their genuflecting to Caesar and their burning of incense right. to Caesar, were they, were they atheistic? I and mean- I think Christians make a fantastic point when they say, you
1: don't need to be worshiping idols. That because I, and this is where I disagree with people like a Christopher Hitchens, that if you yeah, if you wiped religion from the world, I think people would be like Hugh Hefner and make sex the church. I think some people would make power.
0: Yeah, i think you go to the basis basic instincts of sex food shelter and and those become gods well in the state yeah and in many ways i worry the state has become the new
1: god and its doctrine is psychology and social science hmm. and i'm worrying that's where we are for all the good faith believers out there that the state is now the one in the driver's seat whether in Russia, whether in China, and very much in this country. The state is at the driver. I think for the last hundred
0: years, I think you're probably right.
1: And it worries me a lot because I think believers of all different denominations in the Christian tradition, I think believers in the Jewish tradition especially, and many people in the Muslim faith, need to realize that that is going to lead to some conflict. Well, And, 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 we and I shouldn't
0: sh- cheer that. I, I don't know how much time we have, but what's the clock looking for? We're at 58 or 4. Okay. Uh, we have to continue. I say, this. I say this a lot on our show. Uh, Nine and twelve, free plug. Um, the the Westphalian state, the the post sixteen forty eight nation state is dying, and yeah. the next twenty years will be very telling on whether the state survives. I agree with you. But if it does, I agree with your sentiment. If it does not, we don't know what's going to happen. And and I think a lot of people need to to go back to the piece of Westphalia, think about what it means to be a nation state and uh, kind of take it from there. But, Joey, I've I really enjoyed today. Yeah, thank I've you. enjoyed today, too. And thank you for, uh, for everything. Uh, thank you, because
1: um, I've gotten many different responses when I tell people what I genuinely believe or do not believe. We didn't get a lot of the positive of what I... Correctly believe, but we'll do it again. I'm glad we've sort of cleared the deck. I want this to be an ongoing conversation. I would love to have, say, Father Driscoll on, Father yeah. Carucci. I've had Tom Riello on the show, and it was a weekend show. I'd love to have him back. He's, have a, him back. he's, he's brilliant. a lot of fun. He's brilliant. brilliant. I'll see him tonight. And, you know, I want to reach out, though, because yeah. I, I don't want to just stay in the Catholic part of the pool. That was how Let's I was raised. Where all the
0: high IQ theologians are.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> But I have to get out there and learn, man. You know. Oh, I get it. I, I got to learn who believes what, how they believe it, how they practice, where they get their inspiration from, their virtues, their values, and their hope. Um, so, Baron, again, we're not even going out with music tonight because this is exactly what I want the show to be in some ways where people can have private discussions in public.